welcome to the Commander Theory Podcast. I'm Nick Beatman, and I'm here with my friend, Zach Mack. Hello, everybody. We also have with us a special guest, Charlotte Sable, member of the Commander Advisory Group. Welcome back to the show, Charlotte. Yeah, good to be back, as always, and yeah, happy to talk about some more cool uh, Corset 21 cards. All right, well, we are just about wrapping up our set review. We got one more day of spoilers coming but today we've got a lot of new commanders to talk about, a lot of new main deck cards, um, and I, I guess we can just jump right into it. Um, yeah. We're going to continue yeah. with some representation for characters from the Mirage storyline with Kervek the Spiteful. He is 2 black black for a 3-2 legendary creature human warlock. Other creatures get minus 1, minus 1. So how do you feel about this card, guys? I like the sort of simple elegance of it. Like, it's just effective and straightforward, and it does what it does. And, you know, maybe it's not super techy for deck building and stuff, but it's, you know, it does what it says on the tin. If you're in the market for that sort of effect, it's probably just fine. Yeah, I, I do want to uh, kind of mention that, like, this effect is always better than it looks. Um,. As someone who's, like, run Night of Souls Betrayal and someone who's run, like, uh, what's the Black Curse? Curse of... Uh, Death's Hold? Yeah, Death's Curse Hold. of Death's Hold. Those effects can be really crippling for people sometimes. So I understand that this guy is powerful and the fact that you know it's coming over your opponents, that can give you a pretty big advantage. But, again, I think this guy's going to be more of a role player than an actual yeah. really uh, fun to build around commander, kind of like you said. Like, there's really... He's very, uh, yeah. he's very spiteful and he's very efficient, but he's not the best build around. I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unless like Black doesn't really have a lot of ways to turn things into one ones, so you're probably more gonna play him in a support role where you can play cards like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, my first thought when I saw him is it's like, oh, Grizzbold has a new best friend. So yeah, exactly. I think blue, black, and green, black decks; those are probably the best places to play him. Be- exactly for that reason, like there's so many commanders and there's so many cards in those colors that care a lot more about that. You you screw over most token decks when you have an effect like this in your list. Mm-hmm. There, there's the occasional like two two vigilance knight or like three three beast. But a lot of tokens are like 1-1 one, one soldiers or 1-1 one, one lifelink vampires or sapperlings. And you really do just... Or spawn. or Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Servos. So I think if you haven't ever played with Knight of Souls Betrayal, as if someone listening to this, give Karavik a try. Because I think you'll be impressed. But I think mm-hmm. you might want to give him a try in a separate list as opposed to his own list. Yeah, definitely agree with both of you. Um there's not a, a ton of room to build around. I was thinking, like, you know, if you run Knight of Souls Betrayal in a Kervec list, um, then you can run, like, uh, Sudden Spoiling and maybe just kill all of someone's creatures at split second. Um, if you have Blanket of Night, which makes all land swamps, and Korma Spell, which makes all swamps into 1-1s, then it's just all lands are dead forever and... Hopefully you can do something with that. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, you have a creature. Hopefully no one else does at that point. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah, I agree. I, I think that this color identity might be a little too restrictive to make good use of mm-hmm. him in the command zone. I, I would love to run him alongside some blue cards like Vidalcan Humiliator, Polymorphous Jest, oh, yeah. Mass Diminish, 
all of which um, makes your opponent's creatures one ones until end of turn. So that's a sweet combo. Um, yeah. But yeah, unfortunately, might might just be a role player in other decks, as you guys said. Or or play him in like a black white deck with uh, what's that really expensive curse? Overwhelming splendor. Yeah. Oh, that'd be sweet. That is pretty good. <laughs> yeah. So and or like or if he had green in his color identity, you could um run living plane yeah. and just make all lands into creatures but yeah i don't know i mean if you were gonna build his own deck i think he'd be like a decent not not the best but like a decent voltron commander because it gets a lot of little things out of his way mm-hmm. but i still think black has probably better options for that yeah definitely a strong control list for sure yeah yeah all right i think with that we can move on to the next commander it is subira Tulzidi Caravaner, two in a red for a two-three legendary creature, human shaman. She has haste, and you can pay one to make another target creature with power two or less unblockable this turn. You can also pay one in a red, tap her, and discard your hand to make it so that until end of turn, whenever a creature you control with power two or less deals combat damage to a player, draw a card. So. This is a, a pretty interesting commander. How do you guys feel about it? It's good to see Teferi's wife, finally. Um, I like... It's an interesting set of abilities. There seems to be quite a lot of emphasis on discarding your hand in red in this set. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I like I like the setup. Uh, this is certainly an interesting card for a lot of Alesha builds. Because that's sort of a two-power matter deck anyway, so... And then also it's a deck that wants to get things in the graveyard. So the activated ability is not bad either. I don't know. I like it. I think it probably makes a fine deck on its own. I mean, there's also older red cards that make small things unblockable, like uh, Dwarven Warrior and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think it's a really interesting list. So Gallia kind of promised, I think, card advantage that to me looked like what this like Subira is going to actually deliver on. Yeah, that's fair. Where you play a bunch of little guys and then you attack. But th- I think there's more tech with Subira too because you get Glinthorn Buccaneer mm-hmm. and you get uh, Brawlin now from or C20 yeah. and you still get to play with a bunch of these token producers and you're. it, it really does seem like if the deck is working, you're just going to be churning through your list pretty efficiently because Red is just so good at getting multiple tokens for much less mana than they spend yeah that's fair i mean i also look at this card and think it probably would do a lot of good work in a uh varchild deck because that deck's pumping out a lot of survivor tokens and taking them and then you have a whole bunch of card draw possibility there so oh yeah definitely and and i should say that the two cards i mentioned before i uh, care about discarding glutenhorn buccaneer and brawlin both have a trigger where every time you discard a card your opponents take a damage that is uh pretty good when you're discarding your hand and refilling it because you hit someone with like four to seven little tokens absolutely Mm -hmm. Uh, also the 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 new wonderful card sir the badger sore is at home here oh yeah i love that guy oh yeah it's a great piece of tech uh let's see so sadly it has three power but you know whatever can't have everything yeah (laughs) You probably want to protect that anyway to just make you a bunch of treasure and whatnot. So Yeah, that's true. Uh, a couple other things I like for Subira. Double Strike also really works really well with her because you can get multiple triggers mm-hmm. off of each Double Striker. There's also some yep. ways you can like like 
quote unquote pump your creatures without actually bringing them above the two power threshold. Mm-hmm. So, for example, like Torbran, Thane of Red Fell, uh, makes it so that whenever a red source you control deals damage to an, a permanent uh, an opponent controls or an opponent, it deals two extra damage. So it's it's sort of like a plus two plus zero buff, except uh, yeah. it doesn't actually disqualify them from getting the Subira bonus. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think there's a lot of great tech for this list, and uh, we've got a link to a Subira list in the episode description if you want to check it out. Yeah, another thought. Uh, obviously, you also also she's great with damage doublers and triplers, and. Another thought is extra combat stuff is pretty good because the can't be blocked thing lasts the whole turn, as does the uh, activated ability, and so you can just keep refilling your hand. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's another great idea. And I could see, I could see, uh, with the right sort of uh, build, if you have aggravated assault and you had like surly badger sore and some other ways to make mana out of cards. Uh, I could honestly see this going infinite relatively easily. Oh, that would be sweet. Yeah, I just got to draw enough lands off of each trigger. Or just have other ways to turn the, the cards in your hand into mana, mm. which isn't the most difficult thing in Commander. Nice. So. All right, I think with that, we can move on to the next Commander. Another old favorite from Jamura. This is Jolrael Monvuli Recluse. One and a green for a 1-2 legendary creature human druid. Whenever you draw your second card each turn, create a 2-2 green cat creature token. 4 green green. Until end of turn, creatures you control have base power and toughness XX, where X is the number of cards in your hand. So how do you all feel about this? I'm not super impressed as its own commander. It uh, Green has some good ways to draw cards, but it's not really big about drawing cards regularly. It's more either tied to combat or on spells. So I don't know that you're necessarily going to be able to get more than one cat every turn cycle in her own deck. Yeah, I uh, was doing some gatherer searching and scryfall searching, and it just struck me that there's so few ways to get her trigger on your opponent's turns in mono green. Um, yeah. And, and, and I, I built a list and did some testing and found that you're you're absolutely right. It's really it's pretty easy to get one on your turn, but it's so hard to get it on mm-hmm. your opponent's turns that it just tends not to happen. One fun thing that you could do with her, though, one thing since you're making creatures for drawing cards, I mean, I, I immediately sort of think of Slate of Ancestry, mm. which is a four mana artifact that you pay for, tap and discard your hand to draw a card for each creature you control. That could you know start getting you a bit out of hand but like you know it's still slow and it's only once a cycle unless you have like seedborn muse or something to untap it yeah i was thinking like um an anthem effect and greater good because once you get it to the point where Mm -hmm. your cats are three threes and you can like break even on greater good yeah then you can get the trigger uh each turn but then again you're just feeding the cats back into the good you're not yeah, really netting anything off of that. Like, what's the benefit of that then, right? Yeah, like, mm-hmm. yeah I think she's probably better as a support card, mm-hmm. much like Kerek would have been. Yeah. Like, I can see her doing a lot of good in, like, a... Uh, what's her name? Tatiova deck, for example. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and that deck also will have a lot of mana to pump into the last ability. Um, yeah. Or any sort of deck that's more drawing a fair amount of cards. Uh, yeah, I think seems pretty good. Like a lot of uh, like Rashmi decks that I've seen end up doing uh, a lot of things on other people's turns, drawing cards on other people's turns that would generate a lot more cats than if you were trying to just build around her in particular. Yeah, I was a, a little disappointed when we saw her. Um, I was actually kind of expecting a Beast Tribal Commander because on her previous card, her title was Empress of Beasts. We had seen a little bit of Beast token generation, some good beasts in the early part of the spoiler season. And then, of course, um, Ikoria, one of the five main creature type, was Beasts. So we had just seen a lot in recent days, and it's kind of a tribe that has a lot of interesting members but doesn't have a commander to, to fit all those cards into. Maybe not that her new card has to tie in with her old card, but like I'm surprised that there's not anything similar to her old card. Nothing about, you know, turning your your lands into creatures, or not the last ability doesn't count your lands. It counts, you know, your cards in hand, which is like, eh. yeah, I don't know. It, it feels like a bit of a miss, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure this is going to be a good role player in some decks, but I don't think it'll be impressive on its own as its own deck yeah i i I agree it's kind of sad to see like a character i liked a lot like and not be able to build around her in the way that i would really like to but that's fine there's worse the art is amazing though yeah it's really really good Mm. (laughs) some of my some of my favorite art in this set i think Mm -hmm. which is makes it more of a shame that the card isn't better yeah no i always feel that way when you see like vanilla common and you're like that art is great and you're like i'm never gonna play a three three flyer for four in my any list (laughs) like like i guess there's some exceptions to that but that always bums me out i think we have a lot of a lot more tech for this next commander if we want to get into that yes Uh, so this is nyambi esteemed speaker blue white for a 2-1 legendary creature human cleric she has flash when she enters the battlefield you may return another target creature you control to its owner's hand if you do you gain life equal to that creature's converted mana cost and one white blue tap discard a legendary card draw two cards so uh i uh I started messing around with this as a reanimator list and have been having some fun with it. There's only about eight to 10 reanimation spells in white and blue, but there are some really good legendary creatures that you you could reanimate early in the game. And she curves out really well. I played a game recently where I, um, you know, all of turn two, I held up counter magic and then cast her at the end of my opponent's turn. Then on my third turn, you know, held up counter magic again, and then activated her at the end of my opponent's turn to discard a uh, Nezahal Primal Tide, and then turn four, cast Breath of Life, and then there was just a Nezahal on the battlefield, and my opponents weren't able to deal with it for pretty much the entire game. The one issue I have with her is that because there's not a huge number of reanimation spells in this color identity, and... There, there are some very powerful cards. There's Jingitaxius, there's Nezahal, there's Avacyn. But, you know, you're after that, you tend to, like, scrape a little bit. So she's not as consistent mm-hmm. as I would like. But yeah. it's, it's nice just to have a commander that can draw you cards, that doesn't require you to commit 
things to the board if if you don't want to because she has flash i've enjoyed her as a commander i think she's a good addition to the format yeah i i really like i really like her design uh certainly a step up from her last card so <laughs> oh yeah the one who just goes and gets her dad yeah um it's actually a very interesting design and it's sort of I mean, it's not super unique for blue-white, but it's definitely not nothing quite what blue-white has done before, which is always good to see. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I really like the design. It intrigues me, and I'm considering maybe building a deck around it, depending. I'm just I'm just sad that, like, Leyline of Singularity doesn't work with her the way you would want it to. Sadly, it only affects cards in play, so it's like, ah. Uh. Yeah. But yeah, no, she's a really cool design, and I think she's definitely going to have uh, have a lot of interesting decks built around her and a lot of use in the 99 of other decks, certainly. She's a commander that have utility on the front end and then keep the game moving on the back end. Like, I think that's actually a really cool design, and I think it leads to a little bit better gameplay than some of the just like straight, aggressively value-intensive commander designs we've seen. Mm-hmm. So the next commander is Rada, Heart of Keld. So Rada is a 3-3 elf warrior for one red-green. She has, as long as it's your turn, Rada, Heart of Keld has first strike. Uh, You may look at the top card of your library anytime, and you may play lands from the top of your library. And then she has an activated ability for red-green. Rada gets plus X plus X until end of turn, where X is the number of lands you control. I really love this character. I think this is a very good (laughs) iteration of her. She's very strong. Um, That said, I think at the same time, most of these abilities are things we've seen before. So as much as I like her and I'm going to play with her, especially in other lists, just being able to play cards off the top of your library can be uh, very powerful. She... I've done a Voltron thing. I've done some lands things. So as excited as I am to see her again and to know she's still around, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not super excited to build around this version of her. Yeah. But, but I'm very happy she's here. Yeah, I mean, it's a great, it's a cool card, but it's not anything like inspiring. I definitely think uh, her Dominaria version was superior in terms oh, yeah. of possibilities for deck building and the like. Um, I also I don't like that she doesn't like have trample. I don't like that she can only pump herself. But like it's a fine card. It's just like eh. Mhm. Yeah, I totally agree. I think she's going to do a lot of work for you whether she's your oh, commander yeah. or in your list, but uh I I've killed people with commander damage. I've been been across that road. Mhm. Yeah, exactly. And she's not one that makes it necessarily super easy to do. Yeah. Like first strike is good, but you know it's not a it's not one of the main characteristics that a Voltron commander needs. Yeah. yeah. Also, I don't know. I don't see why she couldn't just have first strike. I don't see why see why she only has to have it on your turn. Like. Mm, yeah. No, that's definitely would, true. I mean, it makes her worse defensively, but like, eh? I don't think she'd be broken with with just straight first strike. Maybe in uh, maybe in like standard, she might be too strong. Mm. But I don't know. I don't. I don't think it would be too much of a push to just give her first strike. Uh, so Zach, I know you have a red green land deck that's uh, that's run by Mina and Den. Are you planning on switching to Rada? Uh, no. She'll probably go in there though. Mm-hmm. I think the big thing is the extra land a turn. 
is the reason that mm-hmm. I like that deck and kind of one of the reasons I chose that commander. But I think this is a little bit more efficient being that it's three mana. You can still run all those other effects. I think it could be a pretty just efficient red-green Voltron list. Like, you're still going to get a lot of card flow. You're still going to be, like, getting a lot of card advantage playing off the top of your library. And then just knowing what's on the top of your library gives you a little bit of an advantage. (laughs) Yeah, I, I think she's cool but i'm not switching (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah i definitely agree like knowing the top card of your library is fun there's some things you can do with that um for example like if you have explorer scope or druidic satchel you can put lands directly onto the battlefield from the top of your library if you want to clear lands off the top of your library you can use fiadia seer or dryad green seeker was what i was thinking of from m19 so there's a a little bit of value in in knowing that information and Mm -hmm. um yeah, I, I like her, and we have a list in the episode description if you want to check her out. All right, uh, I think we can go ahead and move on to the Planeswalkers. We've seen the the last few Planeswalkers from this set, so we're just going to run through these and talk about whether we think they can make it in Commander. Sure. The first is Basri Ket. One white-white for a three loyalty Planeswalker, Basri. Plus one, put a plus one plus one counter on up to one target creature. It gains indestructible until end of turn. Minus two, whenever one or more non-token creatures attack this turn, create that many 1-1 white soldier creature tokens that are tapped and attacking. And minus six, you get an emblem with beginning of combat on your turn, create a 1-1 white soldier creature token, then put a plus one plus one counter on each creature you control. How do you feel about this card? It's cool, I mean, I really like his design. I like that we have a new planeswalker from Emon Cat, and I like that it, you know, shows sort of like a hopeful future for that plane from a flavor perspective um for a three mana planeswalker he's pretty solid for commander but on the whole it still feels kind of weak like you know if you plus one him and he dies it's kind of meh yeah and like for me i don't know it's just really hard for mono white planeswalkers to measure up because there's been so many really good ones like various elspeths or even just the original ajani was so good with just minus two all your creatures or was it minus one even all your creatures get a plus one plus one counter and vigilance until end of turn it, yeah it was minus one really good rate on him like and that's only one more mana so i don't know the, the fact that he can pump out a lot of tokens is cool mm-hmm. and the emblem is obviously pretty awesome it's not quite cathars crusade but it's very close mm-hmm. yeah but, like, I don't know. It's really hard for, for like, aggressive planeswalkers to find a home in Commander, I think. Definitely agree. I don't think that most decks are going to be interested in him, but I thought of one that might be a good fit. So if you're running Audric Lunark Marshall, the version that allows you to sort of transfer your keywords on one creature to affect the whole team, he is a good source of repeatable, indestructible for your creatures if you're running him in that list. And Audric mm-hmm. tends to run a lot of non-token creatures because it's just trying to get that like keyword soup with creatures with as many keywords as possible. So you're likely mm-hmm. to have a lot of non-token guys. So the minus two is probably going to be effective there. That's that's like the one list I think that could make use of multiple yeah. of Basri's abilities. But agree that he's doesn't fit into a lot of decks. Yeah. I don't know. It, it, again, it's hard. I mean, the fact that, you know, like his most appealing first ability is the probably the minus two just for a bunch of tokens. But then he's down to one and dies to just about anything, right? So 
I, I'm excited to try him out in Brawl more than I am in Commander. I think he's just going to be slotted into certain lists and left at that, I think. Um, yeah. Like, if you're in a restrictive white X color identity, Super Friends, you'll probably play Basri. Mm-hmm. And just because so many of these white Planeswalkers, the Elspeths and the Gideons make tokens and... Uh, mm-hmm. He helps with that, but that's that's kind of it. I'm kind of like you said. I'm excited yeah. to see his character, but uh, the first card is not something I'm super yeah. excited to play with. Hmm. Actually, thinking about it now, I actually might be more interested in this card for Alesha, just because Alesha is a commander that wants to get in. So giving her indestructible until end of turn is actually quite appealing. Hmm. Um, and then creating a bunch of fodder that I can sacrifice to various things is also good. And then if I can get the emblem, obviously, it's super good. But it's not really... It doesn't do anything necessarily that the deck wants to do other than protect Alesha. So even then, it's kind of like, eh. Yeah, might just be a card for standard. Yeah, exactly. All right. The next Planeswalker we're going to be talking about is Chandra, Heart of Fire. Three red red for a five loyalty Planeswalker, Chandra. Plus one, discard your hand, then exile the top three cards of your library. Until end of turn, you may play cards exiled this way. Plus one, Chandra Heart of Fire deals two damage to any target. And minus nine, search your graveyard and library for any number of red, instant, and or sorcery cards. Exile them, then shuffle your library. You may cast them this turn. Add six red. Uh, How do you all feel about this? I don't think this is a commander card, really. Like... I mean, the first ability just basically drawing three cards, but it's also, you know, you're discarding your hand to do it, which is not super appealing, especially on a five-mana Planeswalker. And the other plus is okay, but not impressive in Commander, certainly. I don't know. I'm, I'm just not... I love Chandra, but I'm just not impressed by this version of her. Mm-hmm. I'd say the same. I, I The one note I would have about this card is that for years, I always wondered why Chandra's plus one didn't deal two damage to a target. I, I always yeah. thought like that wasn't this, this was back in the days when lightning bolts in standard so like why do they care about their five or six mana Chandra they, they always tended to ping just deal one damage and I never quite got that so glad to see that she can shock things now definitely agree I think this is a planeswalker I'm gonna I'm gonna skip on all right the last planeswalker in M21 is Garak Unleashed two green green for a four loyalty legendary planeswalker Garak Plus one, up to one target creature gets plus three, plus three, and gains trample until end of turn. Minus two, create a three, three green beast creature token. Then, if an opponent controls more creatures than you, put a loyalty counter on Garak. Minus seven, you get an emblem with, at the beginning of your end step, you may search your library for a creature card, put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. What are your thoughts on this card? This is the least exciting Garak that I've seen in a long time. <laughs> yeah. I feel. I just feel like he is, even for standard, I'm not super excited to play with him. Mm-hmm. I'm, And that's a bad sign for Commander, uh, even if he is a four-mana Planeswalker. So I maybe in play, I'll see someone play him and be like, oh, that's actually really impressive, but I doubt it. I mean, the emblem is super appealing, but that's about the only appealing part of this card. So, I mean, I guess if you're playing a Planeswalker deck with doubling season, sure, you can play him and ult him. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, beyond that, I mean, I'd just much rather run Wild Speaker. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we've had Garaks that generated mana, that draw cards, 
that just do all sorts of things, yeah. but like pump and minus two to make a token is not where you want to be. On that note, we can get to these main deck cards, uh, and there's there's a lot of them, so everybody, if you're still here, buckle up. Uh, we'll start with white and angelic ascension. One in white for an instant. Exile target creature or planeswalker. Its controller creates a 4-4 white angel creature token with flying. So I think the, the easy point of comparison here is cards like Beast Within or Generous Gift or Pongify or Rapid Hybridization. All those destroy something and give their controller a 3-3, but they're still format staples, very good. Although I think we need to like draw a distinction. Like Even in a 40-life multiplayer format, at some point, raw stats do start to matter. Like Three threes are mostly irrelevant in Commander, but a 4-4 flying actually does something. This is a lot closer to the line of playability, and I don't think it's going to see quite as much adoption yeah. as those other cards I mentioned. I do like the fact that it can exile things and that it can hit Planeswalkers, though. So that that's interesting, but unless you're already... like, I think this would probably be okay in like a dedicated flying deck. Like I could see this card being a fine piece of removal in, say, an Ur-Dragon deck where... You know, your creatures can just eat the flying angel, mm -hmm. no problem, right? That's definitely true. I think I'd still likely run it in white decks that don't have access to colors with a lot of good spot removal. Yeah. Like, if you're not in a black color identity, and then possibly if you're not in a blue color identity, if you're in sort of like Boros, Celestia, uh, Naya, yeah. or Mono White, I think then it might make the cut. Yeah, I mean, we also need to remember, this does have the application of hitting your own thing. So you could yeah. hit, say, a token and give yourself a surprise blocker or something, or a surprise attacker, which is a little bit of extra flexibility, but I don't think that necessarily makes this card too much more appealing. Mm -hmm. That being said, we can move on to this next guy. Uh, this is Basri's Lieutenant, a 3-4 human knight for 3 and a white. It has vigilance, protection from multicolored, and when Basri's Lieutenant enters the battlefield, put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature you control. Also, when Basri's Lieutenant or another creature you control dies, if it had a plus one, plus one counter on it, create a 2-2 two, two white knight creature token with vigilance. This is cool. This is a lot of beef on a white card. Also, protected protection for multicolor is, is a, not everything in Commander, but it's a lot of Commanders themselves. So having a blocker that yeah, can exactly. absorb a lot of Commander damage is actually pretty cool, when, especially when you're getting a lot of value off the other parts of the card. Mm -hmm. But yeah, this card definitely has, has a lot of juice on it. So how exactly does this go infinite? <laughs> uh, all right. If you have a Rehan as yeah. one of your partners, partnered with another white partner... So what's going to happen, and then you'll need uh, some additional creatures beyond that. So Rayhan says, whenever a creature you control dies or is put into the command zone, if it had one or more plus one plus one counters on it, you may put that many plus one plus one counters on target creature. Mm -hmm. So you have Basri's Lieutenant out, you have a sack outlet, you have Rayhan out, you have two other creatures. So, or just another creature. So you sacrifice the other creature, assuming it had a plus one plus one counter on it, you get a white knight. Then Rayhan will trigger. You can put the counters on another creature. You sack that creature mm -hmm. that got the Rayhan's counters. You get another knight, and you put its counters on the white on the knight you just created. And then you yeah. can have basically have these two knights that are putting counters on each other, and you get mm -hmm. uh, infinite of whatever your sack outlet generates. 
that's fair. It's interesting, but not not. Yeah, it's a, it's a very niche powerful. use. Um, for the most part, uh, it's I think it's going to be more useful as a support for decks that can easily put counters on things that are running Cathar's Crusade, that are running Juniper Order Ranger, mm -hmm. Good Fortune Unicorn, those card types of cards. I also like it um, if you're running a plus one plus one counter deck. It's just good uh, Wrath protection. If all your guys yeah. happen to have plus one plus one counters, then you get a replacement army of knights. Yeah, that that is one of the things yeah. I like most about him is that yeah. as soon as this guy hits the field, like you mm -hmm. don't feel that bad about whatever is going to happen to your guys because at bare minimum you're still going to have a yeah. board that you can build off of. Yeah, uh, my my first thought when I'm looking at this guy is that he seems like he would do a lot of work in a uh, Nikira, Nikara and Yannick deck. So mm -hmm. Oh, definitely, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, those are the new C20 Abzan partners. Yeah, and then with that, say, Rayhan loop you had, you'd also be triggering Nikara to draw a bunch of cards. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you'd probably need some way to gain life in there, but that's not too hard to do. You can run Death Greeter or... Yeah, any of the, the soul sisters the multitude of white cards that gain life for ver various yeah. ways when creatures are cast or enter or what it not mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah um speaking of life gain uh this next card is called griffin airy it is an enchantment for one in a white it has at the beginning of your end step if you gained three or more life this turn create a two two white griffin creature token with flying um so i thought this card triggered on every end step when i first saw it and was overjoyed i was so happy i was like yes yes finally a white life gain reward that i'm excited to play and then i realized it was just your end step <laughs> and yeah, uh this is it, just just is just yeah it's yeah. still it's still good I, I it's still good it's still only cost two it's still giving you a token every turn but uh, yeah. definitely not what you I probably thought should was. be playing Angelic Accord first. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's also uh, Resplendent Angel. That's another one that uh, triggers off of life gain. It requires you to gain five life in a turn, but it triggers every yeah. end step. Um, it makes four four angels, and it also has a mechanism for triggering itself. So yeah, if you're just yeah. looking to convert life gain into token generation, I think there's better options. This next card is Idol of Endurance. It is an artifact, but it costs two and a white. When Idol of Endurance enters the battlefield, exile all creature cards with converted mana cost three or less from your graveyard until Idol of Endurance leaves the battlefield. It also has the activated ability one white tap. Until end of turn, you may cast a creature spell from among the cards exiled with Idol of Endurance without paying its mana cost. I love this. Like, usually when they print cards like this they're exiled forever like you get you get one shot yeah uh yeah but this is like oh no they blew up your idol uh, here's you can try again well, but they go back yeah they go back and i i love that alone made me really excited about this yeah that's really cool i mean uh obviously teshar really wants this god eternal catcher really wants this any like small creature white commander really really wants this mm -hmm. i would put a caveat on that i think it de it may depend on your build of teshar um if you're going value okay. teshar then this makes more sense um if you're going combo yeah. teshar i think it may be too yeah. slow but it is a really interesting card i love seeing them play in this design space um they've made some versions of this effect that um 
only reanimate creatures with CMC two or less, but really it's the threes that unlock a lot of great options. Oh yeah, um, definitely. Not just in mono white, because you've got things like Recruiter of the Guard or Ranger Captain of Eos or, you know, uh, lots of other great effects. But, you know, opening up to other colors, there's pretty much every color has something interesting going on at three, whether that's a Reclamation Sage or a um, or a Merciless Executioner or a Fleshbag Marauder. So, very hmm. cool card. This next guy is adorable. <laughs> <laughs> this is Rambunctious Mutt. A 3-4 dog for 3 and 2 white, so 5 CMC. When Rambunctious Mutt enters the battlefield, destroy target artifact or enchantment in opponent controls. Big pupper. <laughs> big pupper. Big, very large pupper. I mean, I love everything about the flavor of this card. It's so good. The art is great. The flavor text, just the whole the whole package is great. The, the cost is a little high, but uh, I think it's still workable. Um, I mean, I think, honestly, if you were already running something like uh, Core Sanctifiers, might be better to run this instead, get the bigger body, uh, and, you know, be able to blink it and get the effect again as well. Yeah, I've been hoping to get something like this for years. Um, you know, White's had dis- access to Disenchant since Alpha. Disenchant is, you know still part of white's color pie but in commander so much of the creature's value run like rests on etb effects and we hadn't gotten a a clean reclamation sage type card for white despite it being perfectly on color um my my only gripe with this card is like you said it is expensive um so a lot of white's power is concentrated on cheap creatures, low power creatures. So it doesn't really hit the um, doesn't really hit the requirements for things like the the idol we just spoke about, or Teshar, or um, mm-hmm. some of the low CMC tutors or low CMC reanimation spells. I just wish it was smaller and a little more efficient, so that it would play more nicely with all the the systems that white has set up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, speaking of a dog that plays nice with those systems, though, uh, the next card is Selfless Savior. This is a 1-1 one, one dog for one white. Oh, sorry, just a single white mana, one CMC. Uh, sacrifice Selfless Savior. Another target creature you control gains indestructible until end of turn. The, I, this guy's great. This is a good boy. Yeah. I like this good card. Boy. Yeah, it's it's solid. Uh, White's been getting a fair amount of these effects. This one mm-hmm. is nicely open-ended, which is good. And it's a good doggo, so I mean, yes. what else is there to say? He's a good boy. Yeah, and you can just get him back so easily with all those cards that we just mentioned that can't get back Rambunctious Mutt. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I'm really excited about Selfless Savior. Like you said, White's gotten a lot of these. It's just going to be more play more of a role in a Ren and Sari list or perhaps decks yeah. that care about its creature type like Ren and Sari or if there's more in the future I'm I'm convinced we're going to get yeah. a dog another dog commander like a solo dog commander at some point mm-hmm. yeah. so whenever that happens I mean, this guy will probably play a pretty big role yeah this is also just a really solid card in any deck that's running like uh, Proclamation of Rebirth or any of those repeatable bring back a tiny thing cards oh yeah definitely i'm really excited about this next card we're entering blue now everybody so this is discontinuity it costs three blue 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 for an instant 
as long as it's your turn, this spell costs two blue blue less to cast. So if it's your turn, it only costs two mana. It has the text, end the turn. So time stop uh, for six or sundial for two, sundial of the infinite, which ends your turn. When you see a card like this, like especially newer players might go like, what am I going to do with this? Like, what does this actually do? Turns out it does a ton. It just does a lot of funny things. Um, Sundial the Infinite has a bunch of interesting tech that you can use to, uh, let's say, get rid of a trigger that you don't like, or get rid of a painful like ETB trigger, or or just keep a creature that might get exiled at end of turn, or something like that. So th- there's a mm-hmm. lot of interesting things you can do with that, and then on top of that, being able to just tell your opponent no for a turn, that's great that's wonderful and creepy art yeah. oh yeah <laughs> Volkenbaga does uh hands so well they're mm. so be- uh like Volkenbaga did all the the moxen the online series and the vintage oh man i can't remember yeah. the series but they're they're beautiful they're so gorgeous so definitely hands are mm-hmm. very hard to draw yeah so. <laughs> yeah there's definitely a couple artists out there that like to flex a little bit uh he's like Volkenbaga is not the only one um who was it that did the uh the sisse's ring the initial one uh, that was Donato Giancola. Oh, yeah. Donato Giancola. He's another one who often likes to show off yeah. his ability to draw hands. I mean, that art is just... The original Sissé's Ring art is just gorgeous. It's so yeah. good. In it's general. so good. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm sad they changed it. <laughs> uh, just important to remember effects that end the turn exile themselves. It says so in the giant block of... Uh, reminder text but a lot of people miss that part that is actually that is a very good point thank you for bringing that up uh, you do get to do this once <laughs> <laughs> all right so the next card uh library larcenist is a one two merfolk rogue for two and a blue when library larcenist attacks draw a card um where do you think this is good uh i think it'll fit into tetsuko umezawa just because it it has one or less power and or toughness and it has an attack trigger so she'll make it so that it's zero risk to attack well low risk to attack with your larcenist and just able to draw extra cards every turn it's cool it's cool to see more cards that fit into that archetype yeah it's also just a really cool that their version of this sort of creature triggers on attack not on hitting anymore so you don't have to find ways to get it through to get your card which mm-hmm. is nice. Mm-hmm. If you can get a card out of this, it, it that's fine. If you can get yeah. two cards out of this, that's amazing. And then all that is just gravy yeah. after there. My, my, my first thought looking at this is that I just want to play this in any blue-white deck that's also running Reconnaissance because I can just get extra card every turn and then pull it right out of combat and have it ready to go next turn. All right. Uh, the next card is Miscast, a single blue mana for an instant. Counter target instant or sorcery spell unless its controller pays three. So I th- I think that there just may be so many other good options for counter spells in like the zero to two mana range that I don't think this will make the cut. I think you'd have to go pretty deep. Maybe a deck that was focused sort entirely on counter spells like a Baral Chief of Compliance is mm-hmm. what I'm thinking. But like the thing is with Baral out, you you know any one in a blue equivalent is better right so yeah 
But yeah, I mean, I could see some some sort of very high and very fast combo decks in like CEDH wanting this, but even then, you know, you probably already want to be playing things like, you know, like honestly, and probably in CEDH, you'd be wanting to run like even something like Nyx over this mm-hmm. first. I mean, it's a cool, it's a cool card, but it's kind of narrow. The next card is Pursued Whale. It is five blue blue for an 8-8 creature whale. When it enters the battlefield, each opponent creates a 1-1 red pirate creature token with this creature can't block, and creatures you control attack each combat if able. Spells your opponents cast that target Pursued Whale cost three more to cast. How do you feel about this card? This card is just amazing flavor-wise. Like, I mean, this is Moby Dick. It's cool. Um, I kind of wish it was legendary yeah. because of that, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but like, you know whatever it's just a very cool card and i like the fact that it has the little bit of protection on it uh the the art's gorgeous i don't know Mm -hmm. probably a really decent blink target just to give more of those little piratey dudes to your opponents yeah i um i'm a sucker for big uh, blue game enders and I really do like this card especially like you said for the flavor um, I really don't know where I'm going to put this card I know I'm going to try to force it into a deck be upset and then cut it but I'm happier this exists and uh, gets to be in the game more than I'm going to get to play it if people are looking for a similar effect at a cheaper mana cost I would like to remind them that Goblin Spymaster exists which uh, does which gives the same all your creatures attack things. Yeah, uh, so the next card we have is See the Truth. It's a one and a blue rare sorcery that says, look at the top three cards of your library, put one of those cards into your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. But if the spell was cast from anywhere other than your hand, put each of those cards into your hand instead. So what sort of commanders do you think are able to cast it from somewhere other than your hand? Oh yeah, there's... Actually, a bunch, because that's insane value if you can do it. So recently we had Vadrock, uh, the Mutate Commander, the Jeskai Mutate Commander. Uh, Drownu uh, gives it flashback. Elsha casts it off the top of your library. There's the Baby Baby Jace, the Flip Jace, that can put it in your graveyard and then cast it later. Uh, Kes casts it from your graveyard. Malik casts it from the top of your library. Uh, Rajmi can cast it from the top of your library. God, there's so many. <laughs> there's so many. Uh, first Sliver, Maelstrom Wanderer, yeah. Yidris. Oh, yeah, Yidris. I forgot about Yidris. Basically, if you can get some free three cards off of this, it's probably, I would say it's probably worth running. Yeah, exactly. It's it's just so much value for such a little investment. Yeah, um, yeah and the fail case yeah. just isn't that bad. I mean... Yeah. The fail case is it's a sorcery speed anticipate, right? So yeah, it's it's not great, but it's not uh, a total blank. It'll at least replace itself yeah. and give you some card selection. Yeah, yeah, yep. This next card is uh, kind of a doozy. Uh, it's it's our last blue card for to or for right now. And jeez, uh, uh, okay, so it's Sublime Epiphany. It is six mana, four blue blue for an instant. Choose one or more. Counter target spell, counter target activated or triggered ability, return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand, create a token that's a copy of target creature you control, target player draws a card. So yep. 31 flavors of control. 
Yes, it's <laughs> literally. I think it's like everything that like blue permission decks kind of have wanted to do over the years. Oh boy, that's that's just a lot. I can't even imagine like a, what board state would I be like in when I would use all of these modes. Like I'd be countering an Eldrazi Titan, bouncing someone's commander, copying uh, like a Rex Sage or like some other yeah. blue value. Like I don't know when I'm gonna get all five of these bullet points in the same cast, but I'm excited to. Honestly, it seems like it would be pretty easy to get four, so... Yeah, definitely true. Uh, one thing of note, because you can both target a spell and a triggered or activated ability, this can very cleanly answer storm spells, because you can counter the storm spell and the storm trigger. You just need to do it before the storm trigger resolves, obviously. Uh, but yeah, this card is uh, a lot and it's very cool and it's a little expensive but i think it'll see a fair amount of play just because it's big and flashy and cool and gives you so much value if it resolves so how soon do you think it's going to be until we get a textless promo version (laughs) (laughs) Uh, not not so much Oh, uh, one thing, of course, that is important to note, the uh, modes resolve in the order they're printed, so I don't know when it would necessarily be relevant, but you you can't have, say, you can't have, say, something bounce before you counter the spell. So, for example, if an opponent has um, Destiny Spinner that says uh, creature and artifact spells can't be countered, you can't target that to bounce it and counter an opponent's thing because it would try to counter mm. the spell first then fail and then bounce the destiny yeah spinner. okay i have one more question about this card do you think we're gonna get like a mega cycle of epiphanies over the years so like here's the sublime epiphany and then the red one's gonna be like the rage tastic epiphany yeah that would be cool if they can figure it out but i wouldn't want them to do it just to do it i want them to actually have really good things you can do Mm -hmm. white one choose one or more gain one life gain two life gain three life gain four (laughs) life gain five life (laughs) yeah for for seven mana yeah i was just thinking if they do make a mega cycle over a long period of time i hope they do the white one last maybe like the the build-up of white power level that they're working on now might might be somewhere useful by then i'd rather them not do it at all Mm -hmm. um if they're not going to do it well yeah yeah um, but yeah, we're in the black cards now, so uh, nice. Should I should I read this next guy off? Yes. Yeah. All right. So this this one's super cool. I know this is super cool. This is Hooded Blightfang, a one four snake for two and a black. It has Death Touch. It has whenever a creature you control with Death Touch attacks, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. And it also has whenever a creature you control with Death Touch deals damage to a planeswalker, destroy that planeswalker. Um, oh boy, that's this is great. I love the keyword tribal things that we've been seeing. Um, yeah, it's really really good. This is really cool. I love the four toughness on a on a one power death touch body. I, there's mm-hmm. you get to actually use the trigger and enjoy yourself. I have a good time with that while you're you're attacking in. It's not gonna like kill anyone absurdly fast with its own just power really cool black green decks actually have a couple of really good options for expanding the power of this card uh because it has two ways to give it the attacking creatures death touch it has bow of nylea and orin frost fang 
uh, with boats, which both say attacking creatures you control have death touch, and that actually works with the fir- with the triggered ability because by the time they're finished being declared as attackers, uh, that's when things check if they're going to trigger, and so they'll each trigger the uh, opponent loses a life and you gain a life. Very cool. Yeah, I, I really love seeing these keyword tribal effects. I hope that they continue to build in this design space. There's some potential for new archetypes in Commander built around keywords. Death Touch is just a cool ability. Definitely. This next card is uh, Liliana's Devotee. It is a 2-3 human warlock for 2 and a black. Zombies you control get plus 1, plus 0. At the beginning of your end step, if a creature died this turn, you may pay 1 and a black. If you do, create a 2-2 black zombie creature token. There's, I think there's a few things to say about this. Do you want to get into it, Nick? Yeah, uh, so I don't normally love lords that aren't of the same creature type that they pump because if you're running a zombie deck, you're going to have many lords, all of which pump zombies. And so this card, because he's a human warlock, he's not going to get any benefit from those other lords. Um, it is nice that he makes his own zombies, so he could potentially like make up a little bit for that deficiency. But I don't think it would work in... like. Varina Lich Queen decks because like in a Varina deck you really want to make sure that most the the majority of your cards uh, curve well in the early game so that you can get zombies down leading up to casting Varina on turn four and casting him on turn three isn't going to help you get more zombie triggers on on turn four probably not until turn six at the earliest so I'm I'm not in love with them in that context, but there are other commanders that are used as for zombie tribal, and maybe it'll be a better fit there. This card is interesting, but like, I mean, it's an uncommon. We should note that. But yeah. like, it seems decent for an uncommon, but it also seems kind of mediocre for any zombie deck, like you said. Uh, I think mm-hmm. the decks that might want this more are like aristocrat decks, just to get the trigger and to just have to one more way to pump out tokens every turn but i like that use it's also only on your turn so it's only one token every cycle which is awkward yeah does, right? there's just so many better choices now that's a good point though the aristocrat usage is something that i i definitely didn't think about mm-hmm. next one is a rare but is is pretty interesting as a black card this is another of liliana's minions this is liliana's standard bearer a 3-1 zombie knight for two and a black with flash. When Liliana's standard bearer enters the battlefield, draw X cards where X is the number of creatures that died under your control this turn. Hmm, I say. It's, I think it's an interesting card. Um, it's... It's really cool, like, uh, really cool wrath insurance. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Good. Yeah. Like there's some other options in these colors, like Midnight Reaper or Grim Haru Specs, that draw you cards when your non-token creatures die. Those tend to be like those. Those are often used as wrath insurance. But the problem with them is that they they sit on the board and your opponents know about them and they can play around them. They can like yeah. bounce or kill the Midnight Reaper prior to casting mm-hmm. the the board wipe. I like that this is a surprise. Your opponents aren't going to know it's coming. And so you're more likely to get full value off of it. Yeah. It also counts your tokens. Oh, that's another good point. Yeah, I like this in um, Farina Lich Queen 
because yeah. that deck, it's got tokens, she's vulnerable to board wipes, and there's no danger of um, like just having a bunch of unspent mana at the end of turn. If you hold mana up for Liliana, Liliana Standard Bearer and then don't end up needing to cast it, you can just activate your commander because she's got that mana sink. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, also, like, in just in zombie decks in general, uh, this can this can draw you an arbitrary number of cards if you have the Gravecrawler uh, Phyrexian Altar loop. Oh, yeah. Because you can, you can cast, you can, you know, play Gravecrawler from your graveyard, sack it for a black, play it from your graveyard, do that an arbitrary amount of times, then play this, and oh, hey, I've had 30 creatures die this turn. Whoop! Draw my deck, you know? Yeah, sweet. We can we got another little little vampire to talk about, or a little zombie. Yeah, I guess he is a vampire too. Yeah, huh? I didn't realize that actually. A really interesting yep. type line on this guy. Yeah, uh, it is silver smote ghoul, two and a black for a three one creature zombie vampire. At the beginning of your end step, if you gained three or more life this turn, return silver smote ghoul from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped. Pay one and a black, sacrifice silver smote ghoul, draw a card. Well, while we're on the subject of Verena, um, I think this would be good in that deck. Um, yeah. It's very easy to gain three or more life. All you have to do is attack with three zombies, and it's a card that you can discard to Verena's trigger and then get it back to the battlefield on the same turn via that end-of-turn trigger. Uh, and then, mm-hmm. of course, you can always sacrifice it and get it back with Verena multiple times, draw an extra card every turn. So I, th- I think it's a good card. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I, I like that it lets you turn life gain into cards. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The cycle from play thing is always just decent. Uh, yeah. I don't know. It's just a solid little card that's going to do work in decks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And kind of on that note, I think that's a lot like this next card. I think it goes into just a few decks, but it does a little bit of work in them. This is Village Rights. It is an instant for one black. As an additional cost to cast this spell, sacrifice a creature, draw two cards. Um, so this is the most efficient version of this effect we've ever seen. Uh, this effect you might know as like Alter's Reap, which is two mana instant, sack a creature, draw two. Yep. Um, I think there's just a few places it would go in. Um, I think Nick has noted Savra, Queen of the Golgari. Um, mm-hmm. I would say like Rakdos list too. So like Judith or... Um, yeah. Lizolda. Lizolda. A lot of these kind of effects where you're you're the whole point is card advantage over time as opposed to like a big burst of advantage. Yeah. So that that's kind of where I'm excited to try this card out. Yeah. Um I like it. I mean I've never been interested in the versions of this card that cost one in a black, but for a single black I could probably find space for this in a deck. Yeah, that's kinda how I feel too. Any sort of, like, black token deck might want to play this. Um, You know, it's... Like, I mean, even just simple things, like... I could lead off with, like, you know, a swamp and something, and then turn to Colony Garden, make a plant, sack it, and cast this, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I've heard a couple of murmurings about this in CEDH, maybe, just because it is so efficient. Mostly as ways to dig into, like, doomsday piles, but... uh, Yeah. It's a cool card. I like it. Also, like, a cool thing for the art. It's by the same artist that did Village Cannibals, and the art has a very similar look to it. Yeah. And he hasn't done he hasn't done art since original Innistrad, 
So I don't know if this was just another version or if they specifically brought him back to do that. In either case, it's very cool callback. Yeah, and I love the flavor text on this. Yeah. You were so eager to take and consume, yet when asked to give, you refuse. Uh, very creepy, <laughs> um, very atmospheric yep. card, and uh, excited to see yep. it, and, and hopefully it'll see some play. All right, the next card is Bolt Hound. Two and a red for a 2-2 creature, Elemental Dog. It has haste, and whenever it attacks, other creatures you control get plus one, plus O until end of turn. <laughs> Battle, Battle cry. <laughs> uh, so this mostly <laughs> seems to me like a card for Rin and Sari. Um, it's a dog. It helps you go wide with all the tokens you've generated. Um, but yeah. because it's also an elemental and there are some go wide elemental lists, um, like, for example, Omnath 3.0, Omnath 2.0, uh, I could yeah. see it having a home there. Definitely a role player. God, that flavor text. That's the first time I've read the flavor text. The flavor text is so grown worthy. (laughs) They finally put some more. They got the puns in there. Maro got a lot of what he wanted to set. Its spark is worse than its bite. Oh, man. This next one is a fun one. All right. uh, This is Brash Taunter. Uh, Four and a red for a 1-1 creature goblin. Indestructible. Whenever it's dealt damage, it deals that much damage to target opponent. And two and a red tap. Brash Taunter fights another target creature. How do you guys feel about this? This card is sweet. Yeah. This card is super sweet, and I kind of want it for Alesha, just because it's, like, super fun. Mm-hmm. I think it's really fun. There's a lot of tech. Uh, I have a lot of friends who've done um, a lot of Spitemare tech in the last few years. This is a great way yeah. to kind of utilize that. It's good with all the red deal X spells um to like each creature uh it's Mm -hmm. good at blocking it really really disincentivizes like if their voltron commander doesn't have like trample or just is unblockable some way they're just not Mm -hmm. gonna attack you this is not gonna happen um their big fats are not gonna attack you like negating eight damage and then taking eight to the face no i'm just gonna swing at that guy over there instead so it's uh yeah i I think this card is great uh, yeah. For anyone looking to play this, I'd like to remind people of the existence of a fun little aura called Fatal Attraction, oh, which yeah. is from Future Sight. Two and a red for an aura enchant creature. Uh, ETB, it deals two damage to the enchanted creature, and at the beginning of your upkeep, it deals four damage to the enchanted creature. So I forgot about that card. They had the Time Spiral block one. Oh, there's yeah. another little combo. Uh, there's Guilty Conscience. Oh, yeah single white mana for an aura enchant creature whenever enchanted creature deals damage guilty conscience deals that much damage to that creature Ooh, oh yeah that's right stuffy doll guilty conscience uh also pariah honored is pretty decent yeah a lot of lot of really fun stuff with this card um Mm -hmm. if you have an obosh deck it's uh an odd cmc so and of course like it gets if you're dealing damage to it with one of your own spells that gets doubled and then the damage it deals is doubled again so potentially quad damage it's good in fire song and sunspeaker because you're running all these earthquakes there's a lot of uh, a lot of damage based decks that are really excited about this card all right oh speaking of damage let's move on to the next card it is chandra's incinerator five and a red for a six six creature elemental it costs x less to cast where x is the total amount of non-combat damage dealt to your opponents this turn has trample and whenever a source you control deals non-combat damage to an opponent chandra's incinerator deals that much damage to target creature or planeswalker that player controls 
So I, ideally, I think you'd be running this in a deck that can deal non-combat damage multiple times in a turn, both before and after you cast it. And mm -hmm. the, the card that came to mind was Perforos. Perforos can really easily nug your opponents down and get this costing only a single mana. And then Perforos can just off of this entering the battlefield is going to trigger and you're going to be able to shock uh, a creature or planeswalker each of your opponent's controls. And then yeah. from there, it's easy to generate a lot more Perforos triggers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's the best mono red case for this. There, there's, um, uh, man... Uh, Borborygmos enraged, just bolting people, killing people, killing their boards at the same time. That's really mm -hmm. good. And then drawing a bunch of cards from all the yeah. just green Borbor cards, getting all your lands back. Like it just, you can get some efficient yeah. engines going once you got like yeah. 16 lands in play. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or just this and Pyrohemia. Every activation gets you three triggers for one on this. Oh, that's so. pretty good. Yeah. No, yeah. There's, there's just. I think this is the best version of this we've seen in a while. Yeah. It's pretty fun. So this next one is Conspicuous Snoop. Uh, did I say that right? Conspicuous. 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 Thank you. Conspicuous Snoop. A 2-2 Goblin Rogue for Red Red 2 CMC. Play with the top card of your library revealed. You may cast Goblin Spells from the top of your library. As long as the top card of your library is a Goblin card, Conspicuous Snoop has... Conspic oh, conspicuous no. conspicuous snoop has all activated abilities of that card um nice nice yeah this is uh proof that red can do anything as long as it's on a goblin <laughs> as long as they put it on a goblin red can do whatever it wants yep. um i this card's great but i i can pretty much point yep. to where it's gonna go in the format goblin decks goblin yep. decks Goblin decks. Goblin yeah. deck. And then, of course, there's ridiculous infinite combos with it already. Yeah. yeah. So it turns yeah. Goblin Recruiter into a one-card combo. Um, if yep. you cast Goblin Recruiter and then stack the top of your library with uh, Snoop on top, then Kiki-Jiki, then Mog Fanatic, then uh, next turn you're, you're going to draw the Snoop, cast him, and your top is Kiki-Jiki. Then because he's granted the Kiki-Jiki ability... He can uh, target himself and copy himself and make infinite tapped copies. And then uh, all you have to do at that point is either copy the Goblin Recruiter and stack the Mog Fanatic on top, or you can just cast the Kiki Jiki off the top of your library, revealing the Mog yeah. Fanatic. And then you just sack yeah. all your tapped guys and kill your opponents. Really low opportunity cost to run it. Like your Goblin decks yeah. are already running Kiki Jiki. They're already running Goblin yeah. Recruiter. They're definitely going to run this guy. It's just like Mog Fanatic is a little borderline, but who cares? Yeah, exactly. Hey, it's fine. I know a lot of people who probably would miss that entirely unless they maybe heard it here or uh, if they're just playing their Goblin deck because they're, they're not necessarily combo-minded. They just want to rain it sideways with their little guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Go Goblin uh, Recruiter is a fair and balanced magic card, obviously. <laughs> there you go, yeah. If you're in red-black and you don't like Mog Fanatic, you can also substitute Sling Gang, Sling Gang Lieutenant. Oh yeah, that's a better card. Since that doesn't cost mana to activate. Well, there'll probably be more tech in the future. I think uh, they're definitely yeah. going to keep printing Goblins, so who knows what's going to happen eventually. Mm -hmm. This next one I can't believe. Not that it's crazy unbalanced or anything, but just like literally the words they used this is fiery emancipation 
a red enchantment for three red 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 if a source you control would deal damage to a permanent or player it deals triple that damage to that permanent or player instead mm-hmm. <laughs> like oh my like, that that's a lot of damage that's a lot of damage like that's um it's a pretty good way to get damage dealing effects to scale to commander yeah it it's uh yeah it's got just way better than just like an anthem uh it's yeah. there's pluses and minuses the one is it doesn't affect your stuff that's a plus uh the minus is that mm-hmm. it's not a furnace so like your opponent's hitting each other like furnace of wrath is everybody so if your opponents hit each other they're also taking double damage um it does only benefit you uh it's a it's gonna be a huge target it's gonna make you a huge target and it costs six mana so you better use it quick um but yeah, that you, said, you better be able to exploit it right away yeah but that said you probably if you can exploit it at all you're gonna get just a huge advantage out of this just a couple reminders about this sort of effect first of all it doesn't work with torbrand the way you want it to oh yes yes because it'll because the uh player being damaged or the controller of the permanent being damaged gets to choose how multiple replacement effects that modify the damage are applied so in general they'll probably triple it and then add two rather than adding two and then tripling it Mm -hmm. it's the same with obosh and other stuff as well uh, also, remember that the damage is tripled after it's assigned in combat. So with Trample, you have to assign lethal damage before the tripling. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's yeah. actually... I think that's one that gets asked the most, that last one you said, that I've noticed. Um, so that's a very good point to make. It's a cool card. I'm probably going to put it in my Ashling because it doesn't care specifically about red sources like some of them do. But... Um, mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I think I that's know. a great place for it, honestly. Like, Ashling is going to just deal so much damage <laughs> at that point. Yeah. Uh, I like it with commanders that ping, like Kumano and Olivia Voldaren. Um, when you're paying two mana to hit something for three, that's a lot more appealing than uh, their original rate. Uh, and then, like, there's some group slug commanders that this works pretty well with, like Zozu and Mogus, dealing six damage or, at a time. Know, is, like... Heartless hit Itsugu. <laughs> oh, yeah. It doesn't, doesn't quite work there. Yeah. Well, I mean, it'll just kill everyone, or if you have protection from it or lifelink on it, right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, that's... And, like, yeah, unlike uh, some things, unlike doubling effects, uh, it won't worry about, you know, if a player's life is odd, it won't leave them alive. It'll definitely just kill everybody. Yeah, I was going to say I'm probably going to see this, and we have multiple friends with Heartless hit Itsugu lists, and I, I can almost guarantee you that they're all going to put this in there because uh, they fear fear no master, fear no god. <laughs> they're just going <laughs> to like, blast the whole table. Draw the game. Yeah, draw the game. Hey, you know, uh, that's not a loss. And in a four-player game, uh, that's, that's looking yeah. pretty good. That's, pre- that's pretty all right. Yeah. yeah, honestly, like being the person to cause the drawing of the game feels like a win. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I ended the game. I ended the game. <laughs> <laughs> on a on a very different note, on a on a less splashy note, um, this next card is called Soul Seer. It's an instant. It costs two and a red. Um, Soul Seer deals five damage to target creature or player. That permanent loses indestructible until end of turn. So, how do you both feel about this? Uh, it's not bad. Single target uh, damage based removal is usually not great in Commander. That's true. Uh, I I actually like this card in um, 
in certain color identities, like potentially in mono red, uh, potentially in like maybe gruel, potentially boros, basically any color identity that doesn't have access to a lot of good spot removal. Just because this is like five damage is getting to the point where it's killing not everything in commander, but most things. And this is the, the first unconditional red burn spell able to deal five damage to a creature for three mana. And it can also hit planeswalkers. Um, yeah. So it's if you're just looking for more ways in your, your mono red deck or your red green deck to be able to respond to what your opponent's creatures are doing on their turns, I would consider yeah. running this card. I, I kind of like it. Yeah, I will note though that of all the indestructible gods, this can this can't kill twelve of the twenty-seven of them. So, by itself, so that's something to keep in mind. Yeah, that's a little unfortunate. I, I kind of just view the indestructible thing as trinket text. The times when it does come up, though, you're gonna feel like a genius. You're gonna be like, "Oh, got you." Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, in some in something like mono red, you generally want to have some way to get rid of indestructible because yeah. all your removal is damage based. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, even if with destruction of artifacts, you still need to get rid of indestructible. But I think if you're looking specifically for that, something like shadow spear is a much easier include. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Terror of the Peaks is a 5-4 flying dragon for 3 and 2 red. Spells your opponent's cast that target Terror of the Peaks cost an additional 3 life to cast. Whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, Terror of the Peaks deals damage equal to that creature's power to any target. Ooh, wow. (laughs) I love this. I love it so much. Yeah, this card is sweet. This card is super sweet. There are a lot of red commanders that cheat things into play, like Ilharg the Razebore, Perforos Bronzeblooded, Zirulin of the Claw, Felden of the Third Path. So there's a lot of commanders out there that are able to get a decent amount of value off this Terror of the Speaks. Just like drop in a 6-6 dragon, hit something for 6, swing in. Um, Seems like very, very good value. Yeah. Yeah, I mean any 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 deck where you're probably where you're running uh, War Storm Surge, you probably want to run this as well. Yeah, definitely. I would think at one point in time had a Zerlin of the Claw deck. Every every year, I look for like another good mono red dragon and go, Is this, "Am I putting them back together? Am I getting the band back together?" <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. this one almost made me do it. This is just good enough to make me go, "Oh yeah, oh yeah, uh, that's that's some good dragon right there." Uh Um, but yeah I think this is just going to be a great card from here on out Uh, this next card is Traitorous Greed it is a red sorcery it costs 3 and a red gain control of target creature until end of turn untap that creature it gains haste until end of turn add 2 mana of any one color so I cannot wait to put this in Zeta Um, so Zeta for those who aren't familiar with it is a commander that Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell that targets only Zeta, you get to copy it for each other creature you control that the spell could target, and each copy targets a different one of those creatures. So with this, Zeta tends to play a lot of token generators. She tends to get a very wide board going. So if you cast Traitorous Greed targeting Zeta, it'll get the, 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 the ancillary benefit of giving all your creatures haste but you get two mana for each creature you control. And in a Zeta deck that's trying to combo off and cast a whole bunch of spells in one turn, like anything that can increase your mana at this rate is very exciting. So 
very powerful yeah. card in that context. Mm-hmm. Also, this in a blue-red deck, this can go infinite with Echo Mage. So if you have, say, the uh, the War of the Spark Rowl that triggers whenever you copy a spell, you can just kill everyone with that. Or if you have the Echo Mage at max level, and it copies the spell twice, you can basically just steal everything on the board and still oh, and make nice. a whole bunch of mana. Very sweet. Exciting yeah. card. Um, a new twist on an old favorite. The next card uh, is Transmogrify. It is three and a red for a sorcery. Exile target creature. That creature's controller reveals cards from the top of their library until they reveal a creature card. That player puts that card onto the battlefield, then shuffles the rest into their library. What do you think about this card? It's okay. I mean... It's not bad, but I think uh, if you're in the market for that sort of thing, you'd probably rather run Divergent Transformations first. Mm, yeah. Uh, although that, uh, yeah, it does the same thing, except it targets two things, and it in a normal game it'll only cost uh, four. So, But if you're already running Transformations, it's a redundant copy of that, so that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Eh, it's okay. It's nothing special that we haven't seen before. But like it's good for red. Red hasn't had a single target version of it before, so yeah. That's that's really my one note about it is that polymorph has been put in red for a long time now, and yet has not actually just gotten polymorph. So now we have transmogrify, which is just basically yeah. polymorph. You know, that's that's wonderful. I'm I'm happy this guy's here. I think this could be good in like a perforos bronze blooded list. So all those boom booms you drop with perforos, they're gonna get sacrificed anyway. So this is a way to get value out of them and then because so many of the creatures in your deck are just enormous monsters you're you're pretty likely to flip into something good all right uh next card is volcanic salvo 10 red red for a sorcery which costs x less to cast where x is the total power of creatures you control volcanic salvo deals six damage to each of up to two target creatures and or planeswalkers so i was thinking that this could be good in a xenagos deck xenagos is all about casting some high-powered fatty and then doubling it. So I think you're pretty much guaranteed to just have it cost red-red most turns in a Xenagos deck. Other than that, I'm not really sure quite where it would fit in. Yeah, it seems kind of meh in that it can't hit players. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that like sorcery speed... And six damage is also not a ton in most casual games of Commander. Like, it'll yeah. definitely not kill a few things on board. Mm-hmm. So I was I'm thinking, not super interested in this, but it's fine. Yeah, I was thinking, like, Ruhan, um, Ruhan of the Formori, uh, has to attack at random, yeah. but is a 7-7 seven, seven for 4 in Jeskai. Um, yeah. You play Ruhan, next turn, you blow up the two blockers that could be there uh, mm-hmm. and start just wailing on somebody, some poor soul. It's not terrible, but yeah. it's also not super impressive. Yeah, exactly. And then the other one I was thinking of is uh, token lists in in general. Um, if you just have like eight tokens, this isn't that much to to no. deal. And, and I know like a lot of, especially red X token lists, can routinely get eight or more guys out pretty pretty easily. In general, I'm high or I'm. I'm in general, I'm positive on this card, but I'm not sure where I'm going to put it right now. Yeah, I'm not impressed, but... Yeah, that's totally... That... I'm old and jaded, so... <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, six is... It's just really hard with damage spells to be able to know, like, 
is this going to be good in this game? Because there's some games Enough. I played where no yeah. one played a creature bigger than a 4-4. Four, four. And then there's some games yeah, I played exactly. where we lost because we couldn't deal with like a 13-13. And it's like, yeah. you never know which situation you're going to be in. So it's, it feels bad putting a mm-hmm. card like Volcanic Salvo into your deck. When, uh, yeah, maybe if this like could divide twelve damage between up to two targets, that might be better. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I actually do think that would have excited me a lot more if that yeah. version of it. Even if it still couldn't hit players, that's still fine. Yeah, you know? that that really is just a a good board wipe. Um, but do we want to get into green? There's yeah, decent yep. amount to talk about. The first card we're going to talk about is Elder Gargaroth. It is a six six beast for three green green. It has Vigilance, Reach, and Trample. And it also has whenever Elder Gargaroth attacks or blocks, choose one. Create a 3-3 green beast creature token. Gain three life or draw a card. So people kind of like lost their mind over this card. This is a mythic in the set. Uh, It is a five mana 6-6 with three abilities and a relevant trigger. But I I think it's it's just good. I don't don't think this is going to subsume the format and become... No. Just an auto-include. I mean, that's some good keyword salad for Cathril, for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah, I didn't think about that. That's a good point. Uh, I was thinking that um, because it's such a good blocker, because it triggers off of blocks, it might see play in decks that can force attacks like Thantis the Warweaver. It's also a good source mm-hmm. of beasts if Watsi ever prints a beast tribal commander potentially like yeah. being able to produce multiple beast tokens per round of turns plus itself being a beast that's mm-hmm. something to take note of it's a good fat beefy boy probably we'll see we'll do good work in uh decks and things like that too oh yeah that makes sense just by itself it can potentially get you most of the way there through attacking yeah it's pretty sweet um, yep all right next card is feline sovereign Two and a green for a two-three cat. Other cats you control get plus one plus one and have protection from dogs. Whenever one or more cats you control deal combat damage to a player, destroy up to one target artifact or enchantment that player controls. So a couple things to note here. Although if you hit one player with three cats, you still only get one trigger. If you attack three players with one cat each, then you'll get you'll be able to destroy one artifact or enchantment for each of those players. So mm-hmm. potentially a fair amount of card advantage from this guy. How, how do you feel about him? I think it's good for cat decks. Um, protection from dogs isn't super relevant, but being able yeah. to blow things up is nice. And the pro- and like any any lord that costs three or less is always decent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. The protection from dogs is more flavor text to me. Um, I do think yeah. I wanted to mention this because we were talking about lords in the Jorel list above, like that, like way, way earlier in the episode. Um, this is a card I would run in that deck just because, like, yeah. it pumps the cats; they become three threes. Uh, you get more card advantage off of them. Um, mm-hmm. And and again, like in Arabo list, Renan Seri loves this. Um, I'm trying to think of yeah, that, that's more or less where i would put this card but um i guess if gavi was green <laughs> but sadly mm-hmm. no so yeah this i think yeah. over the years we'll get more places for this card but it's yeah it's a potent lord yeah also i like to picture the uh the last trigger is the cat just like batting the thing off the table yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely don't you dare no 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 
<laughs> so yeah, so I think we're going to get into the Garrix cards uh, right now. So mm-hmm. Garrix Uprising is the first of them. It is an enchantment for two and a green. When Garrix Uprising enters the battlefield, if you control a creature with power four or greater, draw a card. Creatures you control have trample. And whenever a creature with power four or greater enters the battlefield under your control, draw a card. So there's just some lists where that's going to happen all the time, just constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, the two that really come to mind, especially in mono green, are Goreclaw and Titania. Titania is going to just be drawing so many cards off of this this enchantment. This is also going to be like a big role player in like a lot of green blue lists and green red lists. Yeah, and, definitely. Oh man, it, th- this is just a great card i think i think the fact that it's just a reasonable enchantment based trample outlet is also really good oh yeah previously i think there's been one primal rage or something yeah 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 so primal rage one in a green gives your creatures trample and then there's some of the um the nylea did it original nylea yeah, yeah nylea does up for four yeah. yeah so there's really you're right there's like really not a lot of good ways to good incidental trample yeah just just giving people trample and i have a uh, kogla deck in the works and i'm definitely looking at that because giving kogla trample is definitely something i I want to do oh yeah high priority so this is like definitely just worth playing just because it'll get me a a card when it enters and it'll get me a card every time i play my commander and some other creatures it's pretty solid Uh, i really like this effect um there's been a lot of effects like it over the years what with kavu layer elemental bond um Kiora from War of the Spark, Teamer Ascendancy, Garx Pack Leader. So hope we can see more commanders like Goreclaw and Titania that reward you for committing to high power creatures because there's a lot of rewards for it out these days and I uh, wouldn't mind seeing more decks in this archetype. We all have a, a big boy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, the next card is Garx Harbinger. It is one green green for a 4-3 creature beast. It has Hexproof from black. And whenever it deals combat damage to a player or planeswalker, look at that many cards from the top of your library. You may reveal a creature card or Garak planeswalker card from among them and put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. This is a sweet card. I would consider putting it in like a a Goreclaw list. It doesn't get the full discount from him. It would only end up costing green green. But it's still a two mana beat stick and it'll likely draw you a card, a a decent card whenever it connects. Uh, any mm. other places you think this might fit in? Yeah. I think if you're in the market for a medium-sized creature that has a good combat trigger, it's, you know, good. Yeah, I, w- I am probably going to put this in, in a dreamy list, but this is yeah. going to draw you cards. Yeah. Digging for six is appealing. Yeah, digging for six is a lot better than four, and it's hexproof from black, so no dreamy is still chill. They're still yeah. they're still buds. Yeah, or Brockos. Exactly. Well. Yeah. So those those are some places I would look to put this guy. I do want to point out why why are they still doing hexproof from and protection from, especially in the same core set? Like <laughs> that has to be confusing for newer players, right? I, yeah, I'll. I think it's just a developmental knob. Like they still have um, they still have cards where you can play like exile and then play and then exile and cast. For like red yeah so i yeah. agree it is confusing to have multiple similar things in the same set i think it's just play design wants to be able to tweak things yeah it's fine yeah 
I mean, I, I guess the hexproof from maybe they were considering the Otrimi and uh, Brokos angles, and people would be sad if they couldn't uh, mutate onto it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Really gets us to the next card, which is uh, Sporeweb Weaver. It's a 1-4 reach with hexproof from blue. It's a spider. It costs one and a green and has whenever Sporeweb Weaver is dealt damage, you gain one life and create a 1-1 green Saprolin creature token. I mean, to kind of keep going off the hexproof point, uh, this is really interesting to me. Like the hexproof from blue, like is that so they can't bounce your guide to block their birds? Is that... I don't know. Also, why are we giving things protection or hexproof from blue and not making them uncounterable? <laughs> like, yeah, because <laughs> that's one of the main ways blue is going to be interacting with my stuff, right? Like, yeah. No, I agree with you. Like, if it, I appreciate the reach. Blue has a lot of flyers. I appreciate that it can't be bounced or messed with really by blue things. That's that's great. But yeah, yeah, it doesn't really matter if they just essence scatter this. It. Like, mm. that's yeah, it's just gonna happen or if they just cyclonic rift my board you know <laughs> yeah not that protection would even do that or not being countered but still it's like i don't think there's too much to say about it do you want to say where you'd put this nick uh i'd probably put it in ishkana because um, it's a spider other than that I, I don't think there's a real place for it in this format there's not yeah. a lot of good ways to abuse the the damage trigger mm-hmm so. Yeah, I was thinking if they, we did get a good Enrage commander. Mm. One day if we do get that, uh, like a good Enrage triggering commander, then I think this might be a good place for that too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we're in a multicolored, so everyone, uh, hold on. We're almost there. Yeah, Watcher of the Spheres. This is a 2-2 bird wizard for white-blue. It has flying. Creature spells with flying you cast cost one less to cast. And whenever another creature with flying enters the battlefield under your control, Watcher of the Spheres gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. So I was thinking that um, there there is an easy point of comparison for this card. It's Warden of Evos Isle, which gives your Mixtillier creatures with flying cost one less to cast. And looking at EDH rec, that card sees a lot of play in Kangi, Airy Keeper, Bird Tribal lists, and Esperia, the Inscrutable lists that are sort of like flying tribal so I think it fits in pretty easily to those two decks. Uh, I mean, the other only other commander I'd, I'd mention is Alila, mm. if you're doing an Alila Flyers deck. Next card is Conclave Mentor. Green-white for a 2-2 creature Centaur Cleric. If one or more plus one plus one counters would be put on a creature you control, that many plus one plus one plus one counters are put on that creature instead. And when it dies, you gain life equal to its power. Wow, that first ability is awkward to read out. Yeah, I know. <laughs> plus one, plus one, plus one. God. I think this would go well in any deck in this color identity built around plus one, plus one counters. Um, like some Atraxa builds are counter builds. There's Merith and Dagatar who let you move counters around. So Merith, if you remove X counters, target itself to put more counters on you increase your counters yep. each time and then yep. Dagatar similar he moves around counters so if you move it you'll net counters each time so that seems yeah. like a little way to grind value it'll also facilitate your gave combos yeah what's the new land from commander that moves counters around it is nesting grounds nesting grounds yeah there we go yeah so it's good with that obviously mm-hmm. uh, also just any deck with Cathar's Crusade Nice. Or like the new Basri or a Johnny or whatever. Mm-hmm. 
I do want to say that at least Dagatar's finally getting something to do. Yeah. <laughs> He's really yeah. been waiting a long time. He really only moves counters around. So yeah. maybe someday he'll be an interesting deck. <laughs> mm-hmm. Also, this card is kind of absurd with Forgotten Ancient. Oh, yeah, I like that. Or with um, Yannick. There's a lot of good homes for this card. Definitely excited to see enablers like this printed, things that enhance specific archetypes. Mm -hmm. So I think we got one more card to talk about for right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, That is Animal Sanctuary. This is a land. It taps for a colorless. And it has two tap. Put a plus one, plus one counter on target bird, cat, dog, goat, ox, or snake. Um, And the, the flavor text is no owners allowed. (laughs) <laughs> a sanctuary sign i mean besides having some of the cutest magic art i've seen and this set has a lot of good cute art with the the pig and all the dogs mm-hmm. i really can't see that many places for this to go yeah i don't know like the the three mana for a counter on a specific kind of creature is still kind of meh like could they not just have it tap put a counter on it like is that too much or one tap like three total lands invested just feels like a lot of lands for that ability yeah, the only place it seems like it might be worth considering is in Mowu Loyal Companion. Mowu has, if one or more plus one plus one counters would be put on Mowu, that many plus one are put on it instead. So mm-hmm. that's you get a little bit of a better rate there. And of course, because it's a land, yeah. it's not really taking up a card slot. So there's not a huge yeah. cost to running it. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I wouldn't be excited to run this in most lists, even like a cat tribal deck. But that's it. We've done it for now. So we've got one more day of spoilers, um, but we're almost through. And and let's talk a little bit about our overall impressions so far. How do you feel about the set? Are they pushing in interesting directions? What do you like most about what they've done with M21 relative to previous core sets? Uh, I really like the direction of the set. I like the sort of lighter tone of it compared to a bunch of previous sets. Like, it feels, I don't know if whimsical is the right term, but it feels a lot happier than a lot of previous uh, core sets have, right? Mm -hmm. It feels feels like there's a bit more silly and fun in the set than, than in previous years, which is really good in general i don't know i like it i like that the uh legendary creatures aren't as like linear good stuff like yarok or the cycle from last year Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm, for sure you know they're interesting they definitely have decks that can be built around them but they're not like you know breathe on them funny and they go off sort of things right yeah yeah i think the fact that they're focusing on um monocolor decks like limits the power level forces them to build in narrower ways and that yields more yeah. interesting decks as opposed to like well everything works with yarok yeah yeah definitely as uh as a corset goes it's really interesting and not i wouldn't say it's complex but it certainly has a high level of different things going on in it which is really nice rather than feeling super bland like a lot of the previous corsets have mm-hmm. i think that focusing it on um the Mirage storyline and grounding it in that way and making it about Teferi and his storyline and his life uh, adds a lot of character to it and makes it feel more more specific than just generic fantasy yeah. that they've often hit in the court set. Yeah, that's true. 
but yeah, very uh, excited to see the, what the last day of spoilers brings, and uh, we'll be doing our wrap-up at that time, and hopefully you can join us again for a very quick last episode to cover those those few cards. Yeah, absolutely happy to. This has been a lot of fun, and yeah. Make sure you uh, get a list of the your predictions for what will be the most adopted new cards on EDH Rec mm-hmm. from M21, and uh, we're excited to have you back on. Hi, everyone. Just a quick pop-in before the show ends to give a little heads up on scheduling for us. This episode is a little late because we thought we would wait for all the spoils, record quickly, then put out one episode, but that didn't end up happening. So the next episode will release a few days late like this one, but it will have the Jumpstart review included with the final thoughts for M21 spoilers and our predictions for what cards will be most popular in M21 by the time the next set is released, which is Zendikar, I'm pretty sure. Uh, Also, really quickly, I want to say thank you to all of our patrons for sticking with us. Me and Nick have had a lot placed on us these last few months uh, for just various reasons, public health concerns, political concerns. Uh, We have some plans on ways to pay you all back that we've been toying with, uh, but we don't want to really make an announcement until we've hashed out all the details. So when we have something figured out, we'll let you all know on Discord. And yeah, just stay tuned for that. Other than that, thank you to our Patreon patrons, Bradley, Gustav, Ryan, Mark, Addison, Mason, Rick, Laser, Raphael, Kyle, Charlotte, Andrew, Tom, The White Clays, Aubrey, Hannah, Anthony, Andy, Dylan, James, Justin, Logan, Roger, David, Evan, Bryce, Dylan, Benjamin, Jason, Kyle, Jerry, Brandon, and Amon. You all kick butt. Thank you for sticking with us. And uh, we really couldn't put out content like this without your support. So thank you. And uh, we're excited for what's going to come. Thank you, guys. If any of you theorists want to get in touch with us, I am at Commander Theory on Twitter and Tumblr, and Zach is at Fat Bartleby on Twitter. Our theme song is Lincoln Continental by Entropy, and you can check him out on SoundCloud. Until next time, we're going back to the drawing board. <laughs>